welcome to another episode of Bible Ask Live, where we answer your Bible questions here on our show. My name is Tina. I'm your host with my friends, Jane Wendy, my fellow hosts. Hi, Jane Wendy. How are you guys doing? Hello. We're great. <laughs> We're definitely, again, excited for the weekend. Yes. <laughs> so much needed Amen. time to rest and recoup. Yep. But Amen. we always love, we love always starting the weekend off with these live streams. Amen. That is good. He always knows he what we need. He is good. Yes. <laughs> Any blessings you want to share today? Ah. It's more like there's been so many which ones to pick. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just feel like, like we are just so grateful that God just always provides for our needs all the time and we can rest in that. I mean, it's, I used to live life with this like rushed mentality of I have to do everything all the time and like, or I'm, you know, I can't keep up with it all. And now I just, you know, God has brought me to this point of just knowing that I can trust him and that he's going to provide and take care of us. And that even when we're going, you know, even when things do get like hard at times or like, you know, we just, don't have all the energy to do everything we want to do or whatever like god keeps yeah. providing and that's and the worrying accomplishes nothing yeah and yeah. so amen. it's just a blessing to have that all the time amen that is how so about true. you guys oh i'm too blessed to be stressed <laughs> as i like to say no god is good and hey, we just want to invite you, our, our viewers, to um, share with us if you have a blessing or anything you want to share or a question. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear from you or answer it if you put them down in the comments below. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, we're more than happy to interact with you and um, talk with you during our show. And so as we said, this is Bible Ask Live. So we're answering real questions from our viewers live on our show. So uh, before we dive into this, and obviously we're answering them all from the Bible, so be sure to um, check us out on BibleAsked.org. And if you want to submit a question, uh, do so on our website, BibleAsked.org Bible forward slash live. And we'd love to answer your questions here on our show. Now, before we dive into our first question tonight, uh, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer and just invite God's spirit into this place. Uh, Jay or Wendy, do you want to pray? Yes. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for bringing us through uh, this work week and for this time to gather and dig deep into your word. And we pray that what we discuss here and say here are your words and your truth and that you will bless every person listening. And again, just help us to learn more about you tonight. And that's I pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Wendy, do you have a question for us? Yes. Let's go ahead and get our first question up. Trouble. It's coming. <laughs> Build the suspense. The, I know. Dun, 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 dun. Or the All right. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Off okay. Of our other sheet. So, and by faith, we'll try oh, to Oh, there back. it is. All right. So, um, Return to Torah has asked, Jesus kept the Mosaic laws after his resurrection. Change my mind. Hmm. That's mm. interesting. It is interesting. Interesting question. And I am excited to dig into this one. 
Yeah, go for it, Jay. So, so there's generally, let's say, two extreme positions people take. And one is, on the one hand, the law of Moses still applies today, 100%, as it was, always is, always will be. That's one side. The other side is, there's no more law, period. It's all gone, got completely obliterated on the cross. So those are two two uh, extreme positions that say, you know, they mark the two polar opposites. What does the Bible say, though? And, you know, the way the question is worded, yeah, there's not going to be a ton of evidence of, of specifically uh, did Jesus uh, keep or break the laws of of Moses after resurrection. We're given very little. You know, he, he came, he ate fish and bread, he hung out with the um, people for 40 days, and then he took off. So there's not much there. But we do have some more insights also into even what is Jesus doing today, and we can look at how that informs us about the law of Moses. Now, I, I personally believe also that the Bible... The Bible did a wondrous thing, or, or shows us a wondrous thing happened on the cross. And it wasn't that the law got completely obliterated, it's gone, and it doesn't show us it's saved. There was this huge special change that went on, and the law did something miraculous and got even better, I would say. It got even more exalted, more amazing. And let's look at a first verse, Isaiah 42, 21. Wendy, would you like to read it? This says, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will exalt the law and make it honorable. I believe this, this verse here is prophesying what happened on the cross and even is still in process today of God showing how amazing his law is and how it got better after the cross. Now, again, what we need to remind or understand, what was the purpose of the laws of Moses? Why did God give them? Were they new? Yeah, and and just coming out of the blue or the expansion of something, you know, if you go back, you look, we had sacrifices even, um, you know, at the time of Abraham and before that. We had, um, you know, some health laws, you know, we had clean and unclean animals even at the time of Noah. But what we didn't have was this huge, huge um, system in place that came about under Moses. So all these laws, but was it just God wanted to give laws for law's sake, or was there a greater purpose behind them? And let's dig into that. And we get a clue from that from Jesus himself in Matthew 5, verse 17. And he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. To fulfill them. Right. So uh, what does that fulfill mean, right? Does it mean he's going to just keep them, follow them? Or does he mean mean even something greater that almost were, were these like a prophecy? Were these um, showing us something come and he was going to be the fulfillment of what they're pointing to? Well, we don't have to guess because Romans 10, 4 gives us the answer. And would you like to read that, Wendy? For Christ is the end goal or objective of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Yeah, and actually, when he noticed they were tripped up a little bit because I had some notes there right at the word end. So it says, for Christ is the end of the law. And a lot of people like to quote those verses, say, see, Christ ended the law in, in being on the cross. But that word 
end is more like you've reached the end of the road because you've arrived at your destination. It's the goal, the objective. The whole point of the law was Christ. It is pointing us to him. You know, those sacrifices representing Jesus, the, the water at the labor representing Christ cleansing us. You know, the prayers, the prayers of Christ is represented at the, the altar of burnt sacrifice, the bread. Jesus says, you know, my, my body is, the, my flesh is the bread. You go down the list. This is all about Christ and, and us, how, how we interact with Christ. If we come to Colossians 2, verses 16 to 17, it says, So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding festival or a new moon or Sabbath. What do all these things have in common? This is pointing to the Mosaic law. It says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So again, Paul saying these things are pointing us to Jesus. That's the point of these things. So if Jesus comes and fulfills these, then it's not like the law has been done away with. It's almost like we've gotten now something better. We have now progressed to the next level because now we can understand better because Jesus came. He was in real life. People wrote and testified what he did. We can understand better now what these things and symbols are trying to tell us. But let's go one step further now and actually show an ex a specific example in the Bible of how Jesus post-resurrection actually did work a change and is not keeping the law of Moses. Let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to read a long passage here, but I think almost every bit of it is really on point. We're going to start at verse 9. So Hebrews 7 verse 9. It says, Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him, met Abraham. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it that people received the law, what further need was there that another priest shall come, should rise according to the order of Melchizedek, and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Not no more law, but there's a change in the law. As I said, I think it was more of an upgrade. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe. This was referring to Jesus, for which no man has officiated at the altar. Nobody of the tribe of Judah was a priest officiating at the altar, it's saying here. For it is evident that our Lord, Jesus, arose from Judah, of which the tribe of Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. And yet, it is far more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, there's another priest of the order of Melchizedek, who has come, not according to the law of fleshly commandment, I think that's referring to the Mosaic law, but according to the power of an endless life, for he testifies, God testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope 
through which we draw near to God, and inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he was made and made he was with an oath, sorry, but he with an oath by him who said him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. But by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant, a better covenant. Do you see, like, it, it, all this language is about an upgrade. We're getting better. No, it's not, there's no more law. There's a better law, a better system, better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. So, you know, in the Mosaic law, the priests were human and they would always die, right? So you kept needing a new priest and, and you know, Paul continues. But he, because he continues forever, Christ, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. So think about, yeah, the other priests were human. They were sinners. They constantly had to offer sacrifices for themselves. Here's Jesus, perfect, flawless, God, always living. We don't need all those other rules and, and things in place that were under the Mosaic system. And then we end here with, For the law points as, as high priests, men who have weakness, but the word of the oath, which came from the law, appoints the Son, who has been perfected forever. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me reread that. Um, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, and this is came after Christ's resurrection, appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. So there you go. Christ is acting as high priest now uh, for this new system that was instituted after his resurrection. That old priesthood is gone. It's gone. But now we have a better substitute. This is what the Bible teaches. You know, and so like, go back to... Um, Jeremiah, right? And it says, it's not that God has abolished the law, but the new covenant is that the law will be written on our heart. This is how God works. This is what the New Testament is all about. It's about a better system, a better way in which the law was exalted. It's magnified, it's glorified more than ever before. Dina, right, what's your thought? <laughs> Amen. No, I really, I think that's a really cool um, passage that you shared there in Hebrews. I think that makes a really good point. You know, when I think about the law of Moses, it's always um, a bit of a tricky subject because I do think that there are some things that were, like you're saying, like there's, you know, dietary things that were in place before the law was given, you know, like we see in uh, Genesis chapter six and seven with, Mo, uh, with Noah. Um, but, you know, when I look at the law of Moses, I always have to go back to it in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Um, and I'll just say this really, really quick. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 24 through 26, it says, and it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law, talking about Mosaic law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord saying, 
take this book of the law, the law of Moses, and put it on the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for witness against you. So the law of Moses was something against you. And if you keep reading in the chapter, he's saying, he's like, I wrote this because I knew you were going to be rebellious. And I just had to lay it out how rebellious you were. Because <laughs> like when you read in Romans 8, you know, the law is there to tell us where, how we're, what we're doing wrong. That's the purpose of the law. And so in, in Romans chapter seven as well. And so um, when we see this law that's against us, we see this very clear in Colossians 2, chapter, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Again, that same wording. So, I mean, we see that, you know, God did blot out the handwriting of Moses, not the writing of his finger, the handwriting of Moses, which was against you, which is contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So I see how, um, you know, the law of Moses was done away with. Now, does that mean every aspect of the law of Moses is totally you know, garbage. We don't have to think about it ever again. No, there's a, there's some still things to be learned from it. Obviously, you know, just like the dietary things we saw in Genesis that you know remained <laughs> in um, the you know the law of Moses. I mean, there's you know sexual sins that Moses clearly said this is not a good idea, like bestiality. I mean, that's still not okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's still a lot of truth right. in the law of Moses. And something that's really interesting. I was reading in the book of Acts a few weeks ago in my devotions, and I kept reading something that um, that the apostles kept saying, which kind of, I think, shows the balance of, you know, just using wisdom when it comes to, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. Obviously, the Ten Commandments are written in, God, in stone by God's finger. You can't touch that. But when it comes to, you know, what's right and wrong on a day-to-day -day basis, I think that was the purpose of um, the law of Moses. And so I'm sorry. My camera is doing funny things. Yeah, I kind of like how it froze. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, a bit. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. So um, the last thing I just want to show you really quick, there's three mentions of this actually in the book of Acts, but this one is pretty clear in Acts chapter 15, verses 20 and 29. And it said, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Because this is when the Jews were trying to say, oh, these Gentiles need to get circumcised. You know, if they want to be Jews. And they were saying, no, 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 they don't need to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. No, they don't. Um, and so in Acts 15, um, it says, for it seemed good to, to the Holy, Holy Ghost, which is God, uh, and to us, the apostles, to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication for which if you keep yourselves you shall do well fare you well so they made it really simple like hey you don't need to keep all the law of moses but there are some things that are just a good idea like you know don't eat things sacrificed to idols because you know we don't want to have any part of idol worship we don't want to eat blood you know as part of the dietary practice it's not healthy for you um, it's not a good idea to eat strangled animals and don't practice fornication. All, you know, the law of Moses made all sorts, like made it very clear what fornication could be, including, you know, like bestiality or, uh, you know, just sleeping with relatives or sleep, you know, just bad things. Um, yep. all sorts of things. Um, but I think or, or just, there was good things too, of like, put, you know, yeah. I was like the example of put a barrier on the roof of your house. So if someone's up there, they don't trip and fall and get hurt. Mm-hmm. We have yep. safety codes today. <laughs> Pretty much like nowadays, if anybody goes to work on your roof, they have to like anchor themselves into the roof yeah. to walk around and wear a harness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's accomplishing the same exact thing as the Bible required thousands mm -hmm. of years ago. It's amazing.
Amen. And I think it's cool too, like in the Bible or in the law, Moses said, don't intermingle seeds, um, you know, like of different plants together. And because you get spliced, you know, genetic modification of food, I don't think, and we've shown mm. that that's not healthy. There's like a huge, you yeah. know, non-GMO project going on at this point in time, um, you know, just showing that, you know, it's healthier to keep your, your plants pure. And so that's, I don't, I think there was a lot of wisdom that we don't even know about way back that I knew about because he made this earth. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, there's good things to just take out of the law of Moses, but understand that we're not under that law anymore. Um, that was nailed to the cross. The only law we need to, to have is the law of God, uh, which are his 10 commandments, but they are written on our hearts. Exactly. But yeah, we go back and ask, why did God have these laws? What was the reason for them? And, you know, are we really smart to, to say these don't apply to us today? Mm -hmm. Like across the board, we don't need to follow any of them. Again, like there's there's a provision in there to if you got mold growing on the walls of oh. your house, mm -hmm. do something about it. And if you got moldy yeah. clothes, do something about it. Maybe, maybe you have to even burn it and destroy it. I mean, yep. think how much we destroy our house if you got mold on it. We'll rip the walls down and take out the wood and replace everything mm -hmm. because that mold is dangerous. And and how ill people get if they don't do that, if they exactly. leave mold going. I mean, we in our interview stuff that we've done, like we interviewed people who were seriously incapacitated over years of living in a house with mold problems. And so you know, it's not a good yeah. thing for our health. So, yeah, I mean, you could be smart and say, well, I don't get to heaven by make sure I have no mold in my house, but you're going to make yourself sick. And yeah. you can say, well, I don't go to heaven just by avoiding pork. But again, like, is that going to be good for your health eating it? Mm -hmm. So we really need to be smarter. God's calling us to always go up to the next level, to be better, to be happier, be mm -hmm. healthier. Uh, enjoy life abundantly. That's what we're called to. Yeah. So, Amen. so Tina, let's ask our, our, our second question, which is going to be a, a good opportunity to wrap up what we just discussed. <laughs> All right. Let's get our next question up here. So Oni asks, are we bound by the Levitical dietary laws now? That is a great question. And, you know, um, Whenever I think of that, I always think of, obviously, you go back to the book of Leviticus in chapter 11, which goes through very, 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 very clearly what you should and what you should not eat as far as what are clean and unclean meats. And um, when it comes to, uh, you know, understanding what a, a clean, so basically, I, and that's why I have to say, you know, the law most is not good to just throw away and just be like, oh, we don't have to even ever look at it ever again. No, I mean, God was smart in, in having Moses write it is because, you know, God's people had lived in slavery for like 400 years. They had no idea about, you know, God anymore. They didn't know what right or wrong was. They really needed clear expectations. They needed to know exactly what they should and shouldn't do because they just were living like animals for a long time. And so, you know, these rules were given to them for a purpose and to teach them something good. And when it came to the Levitical dietary laws, you know, like it says in Leviticus 11, you know, thou shalt not eat, you know, when it comes to seafood, only things swimming with fins and scales. When it comes to land animals, only eat animals that have a cloven hoof and who chew the cud. And they have to have both of those things. Um, when, um, you know, it comes to flying birds, basically only eating, um, you know, 
domesticated birds, not birds of prey. Um, so there's, you know, just some very clear outlines as to what clean and unclean is. Now, when it comes to, you know, do we still need to keep those? Um, I always look back in the book of Genesis chapter seven, because this is God saying this before, um, uh, basically before, you know, this law of Moses was ever uh, brought about. And it says, I believe I'm looking here. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, verse two, uh, Genesis chapter seven, verse two, it says of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. Cause remember in uh, Noah's ark, uh, God called him to bring them two by two, right? So we were um, supposed to be able to bring them or they were going to bring them in two by two. However, um, in the case of clean animals, they were, they were to be taken in by sevens. And so they could, you know, obviously, so they could have more animals of these to eat. And so, you know, this idea of clean meats is just an idea that God had known about because he made these animals. He knew which ones would be healthier for us. And so um, I personally do think that it's a better choice to obey this, um, this precept laid out in the Bible just for your health. Um, do I think people that have ever eaten pork are going to, you know, lose their salvation? Not necessarily, no. But I think, you know, when it comes to your walk with God, you know, are we, like you're saying, you know, are we doing the best we can? Are we going to a higher level? And I, I always think of First um, Corinthians, um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I believe it's chapter 10, verse 31. And where it says, basically, um, you know, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so what you need to do um, when you when it comes to, um, you know, your health and what you put in your mouth, um, it's, it really just comes back. Are we glorifying God in our body? Are we doing the best that we can do for him? Because, you know, God is worthy of our praise and it's an act of worship, you know, to eat certain things and abstain from certain things. And you see this, like, even in the book of Daniel chapter one, when, you know, the, the king had all these meats and wine and, um, Daniel said he wouldn't defile himself with the king's meat. And, you know, God honored him for that. And I'm not saying again, <laughs> you're a bad person if you eat meat, but, you know, use wisdom. And God did give you this precept for a reason. Um, and so I think, you know, it's a personal choice you have to make, obviously, but I think God is looking out for your best interest, which is why he puts those rules in place in the first place. And, you know, if you want to, um, you know, just demonstrate trust in God, I would give it a try. Be like Daniel, try it for 10 days and see if you don't notice a difference in your health and in your well-being um, as you abstain from things that God said, you know, they're not really a good idea for you. They're not meant for food. You know, there's certain things that, you know, we shouldn't put in our bodies and maybe it's not laid out in the Bible, like, um, <laughs> like tequila or, you know, drugs, you know, God didn't say thou shalt not, you know, you know, shoot up heroin, but he shouldn't have to. I mean, you should know like, Hey, this has bad effects on us. So let's, um, let's use our wisdom and, uh, let's put things in our body that glorify him. Uh, Jay or Wendy, do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, up. I think that's a great summary of it. I don't think there's anything more to add to that. I, mean, I guess just one thought, which is, 
you know, like Wendy and I are part of a community of amazing coaches, like business coaches, health coaches, mindset coaches, amazing people. And you know what? Almost all of them, you know, will say that one of the most important things for success, for happiness, for all those things, for life abundant, abundantly is, you know, taking care of yourself and taking care of yourself does include eating right. And mm -hmm. God is trying to give us clues in the Bible, ideas of how he intended us to eat so that we could be happier, be healthier, be more productive. I mean, it, it just, all these, so many things melt down when we were just feeding self the wrong things. I mean, our body is made out of certain minerals and, and components. And if you're not supplying it with those, you're going to have problems. Mm -hmm. If you're eating food that's full of bacteria and diseases, you're going to have problems. And it, it's just common sense. And God's trying to just help us to be happy. Mm -hmm. He wants to be healthy. You know, just like that parent, right? That wants to keep your your the child away from reaching and touching the hot stove and getting burned. God's saying, like, try to stay away from these things because it's going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. You're going to have consequences. You know, he tells the, the children of Israel, you know, if you follow my law, and maybe you know the verse, Tina, right? That there will be no disease amongst you yeah. in the camp. Like God's like, this was his vision for his people. You're going to be the healthiest mm -hmm. people on the planet. And they're going to stare and look at you and be amazed. And, you know, there's people like that today. There's populations that live longer than anybody else. And often one of the common themes for those people, these blue zones identified by the National Geographic people, is that they eat well. The lots of fruits and vegetables, fresh stuff, getting, uh, you know, and little to no meat. Mm -hmm. and that's that helps make such a big difference. So, yeah, God's not trying to hold us back. He's not trying to deprive us. He's trying to give us something better. That's yeah. always the way God works. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. The verse you're quoting is Deuteronomy 715, where God says Great. he'll take away all the sickness and put none of the evil diseases of Egypt. Um, and but God says, I'll put them on those that hate you. <laughs> So this bad diet, those are, it's not for you. It's for bad people. Let them eat, eat whatever they want. But, um, you know, you're God's people, you're chosen priesthood, you know, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. Um, so we're supposed to glorify God. Um, I totally believe that. And, you know, I think there's so much just wisdom in God's word. It's like, it's not there to punish us. It's there to just help us. And, you know, I think we just live in a society too. That's just like very indulgent. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we want to eat whatever we want to eat. We want to do whatever we want to do. And God's calling us to something better than that. Um, it might not have initially be fun, just like going to the gym isn't, you know, always what you really want to do, but after you're done, you feel good, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and I think that that's kind of how God is. Um, you know, he's, he's all about the long-term investment, um, and being, you know, what's your best good. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't know why I, I always think of, you know, even things in the book of Proverbs, like uh, Proverbs six, um, it starts in verse six, talking about you know, you know, go go to the ant, you sluggard. Why are you just gonna you know be lazy all day? That's not good for you. You know, it's not good for you to be a lazy person. And I think that that's something we kind of value, <laughs> sadly, in our society too. Is just you know laziness. It's kind yeah. of just nice to do nothing all the time. And God, uh, I do believe He calls us again to a higher standard. Your camera's just catching yeah. the best. I know. It, it doesn't does. like me. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's interesting what you said there about, you know, the short-term versus, in a sense, long-term thinking. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, 
I'm going to quote someone, even someone who's not known for being a Christian, and that's George Lucas. But, you know, you could talk about some of the philosophy behind Star Wars is you have the Sith, these people just indulge themselves. And, and he wants us to portray that as like, that's a big problem. These mm -hmm. people just indulge in themselves and, and, and it just leads to, to wickedness and destruction. Yeah. And he, George Lucas talks about, you know, he says the goal should be joy. And he defines joy as being the, in the state of not having these, you know, just quick ups and quick downs, but, you know, just Building. having, having this steady consistency because you're doing what's right. You're doing mm -hmm. what's sustainable and you're going to be happier in the long term and, and more consistently. Yeah, not yeah. not as high, but you don't have the big drops. And I think that kind of sums up what God wants us to do, too. He wants us to be steady, consistent, consistently happy. Mm -hmm. And maybe even that is what the Bible means at times, but it means joy. It's just this consistent state of happiness. Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And I think mm -hmm. there's a great peace that we can only find in God and His Word and His wisdom. Because, um, yeah, like really, there's no peace in this world. Like people have tried to look for it. It's really, we only, I only find true peace in, you know, God and following in what he says. And sometimes, you know, it's not exactly what I want to do, but when I do it, I just have peace. And mm -hmm. um, I just know that um, I'm right with him and there's nothing better than that. So, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and get our next question up. All right, so Patrick is asking, like most that lose a spouse, the question of marriage in heaven is poured over. I have walked with the Lord for 50 years, and I have many wonders about it. But one thing I can say for certain is that if I knew I would be reunited with my bride, I would likely be looking forward to heaven to be with her more than being with the Lord. We will find out a lot of things then that knowing them now would likely hinder our pursuit of him. Not entirely clear on what the question is here. I think what's implied is basically if when we go to heaven, will we be married? Kind or, of. Well, and also, I, think, I mean, no, I mean, I think what he's getting at is okay, so let's put up the verse he's referring to. Sorry about there's this verse on this tribute about no marriage in heaven, and that's Matthew 22 30. And actually, it also shows up in Mark, but let's look at Matthew 22 30. And Jesus says, and maybe, Wendy, you could read that. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So, so Patrick has, I, we feel so bad for you having lost your spouse. Like, mm -hmm. Again, like we've covered this topic a couple of times in, in different ways. And, and it's always like, oh, I can't imagine being without Wendy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you experience that close, intimate relationship with somebody, it's so beautiful, it's so wonderful, mm -hmm. and to then almost like lose half of yourself, right? I mean, that's yes, awful, and and this is why sin is so terrible. And I know God can't wait to reunite you, but there is something else that that I think uh, Patrick, maybe you're struggling with, right? Is which is you had such an amazing relationship with your spouse. It was so beautiful. It's hard to imagine there's anything better, right? That you want to just see your spouse. They can be with your spouse and like, oh, and then God's just sort of standing there in the background and saying, what about me, right? But let me tell you, there's something that's even more amazing to come. 
you know, it's, it, as we've been talking about, God doesn't take away anything without giving a substitute. God didn't take away the priesthood of Aaron without giving us the priesthood of Jesus that's even more remarkable. And so, yes, we, we have this verse which marriage is going to be taken away, but we can't even fathom what Jesus has in store. And, and so, uh, first of all, I want, let, let's just talk about even love. Where does it come from? We know that God is love. 1 John 4, verse 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. And all come, uh, so, and, and God in them. So, this is God. He's coming into our hearts. He is love. He provides that love. All love comes from God. Mm -hmm. I can say that with a surety because James 1 verse 17, so James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So love, I believe, is one of these good gifts that God has given. Mm -hmm. He comes from him. He's the source of it without even love. In, even in marriage, the love that we have for each other is all from God. It's Exactly. It, 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 we are the vessels of that love to one another, but all of that love comes from God. And that's a great point because it, you'll hear in almost every single story of a, a man and woman coming together, the woman wasn't interested in the guy at all, but the guy loved her and kept showing love for her. And eventually his love sort of supplied the love that she reciprocated back. And it's the same with God, right? We're, we're told that we love him because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. So he's supplying the love that we need to even love him back. But I, I just want to go into now the part I'm really excited about, which is we cannot fathom how much God loves us. We can't even comprehend it. It's going to just blow us away. When I mean, we're talking about God that embodies, is everything he does, thinks, does, is, is love. And, and if we think we experience love on earth, like, just wait on, on what's going to come. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.9. Everybody knows this verse, right? It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Has not entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Like, that's that's huge. That nobody has ever experienced the amount of love that God has to give us. Exactly. I mean, we... I know people just aren't even excited about heaven because they just think of it in earthly terms again. Like, well, you know, are there going to be movies? Is there going to be ice cream? Is there going to be this and that? And like, if you just think of those terms, you're going to be horribly disappointed. Yeah, but mm -hmm. there's... Think even bigger. I mean, it, I mean, what can you do with a lifespan that goes trillions of years and beyond that? How much can we accumulate? How much can we accomplish? How much can we... Um, understand and do enjoy and enjoy i mean it, it is beyond our comprehension we just have to trust god by faith that he's got these things in plan planned for us and i want to close with this quote because i think this this 
this Patrick is God speaking directly to you. This is Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 19. So let's start Ephesians 3 verse 14. And it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Lord of our to the to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might through his Holy Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, or I would say surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Patrick, cling to Christ. He loves you so much. And you could have a, a relationship with Christ that goes even beyond what you experience with your spouse. And guess what? In heaven, we're not just going to have Christ. We're not just going to have, hopefully, your spouse. We're going to have the whole children of God. All of us is a family with, with no sin to disrupt us, all loving each other, all just glorifying God together. Uh, it, it, again, we can't even come close to describing how amazing it is, but it's going to be beautiful. It's hard to me to comprehend that there could be greater love than what I experience from you. I mean, it's like yeah. like the love I get from marriage with you is like so much greater than anything I ever knew before. And to think that the love that God has for us when that day comes is like so much greater than that. It's just it's so hard. It's it's incomprehensible. It absolutely. <laughs> Okay, wait till you have kids. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, huh? You didn't know you could love your spouse until you had a child with your spouse. As much as you already love your spouse, you will love your spouse even more. And then I think, how could I love more? And then it's just a whole other dynamic of God giving his only begotten son. Mm -hmm. God's love is beyond beyond and, anything we could ever imagine or think i'm so excited to meet him i can't wait to meet yeah. and he oh, sees wow. us as his kids yeah almost like his flesh and bone yep every single one of us mm. could <laughs> <laughs> you imagine having a world full of children tina oh i'll take them all and having that love for like literally every single person but you know as a mom who has been a foster mom I mean uh you 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 still love those kids that you take in like and I would mm -hmm. take them and adopt them any day of the week it doesn't matter like they're they're still a part of them they're your kid and you just love them like unreal like unrelentlessly um like I remember I had a foster son who was very violent and like one day after we prayed and I gave him a hug and he just punched me in the face as hard as he could. And I was oh like, gosh. Oh my gosh. And I remember that night I was like, okay, you're going to bed now. And I got on my knees and I was like, Lord, why, why, why is this happening? Like I, I obey you. Like I'm doing something good. Why am I getting this, you know, meanness from this kid? And the Lord was like, 
do you love this child? And I was like, yes, I do. And he's like, are you going to give up on this child? And I said, no, of course not, God. I mean, you called me to this. And the Lord said, that's how I feel about you. And I was like, bah, (laughs) done. I mean, I'm just like, God, you love us insanely. And so I think, yeah, the idea of, you know, God loving us as a father and giving his only son, like, this is love we can't even imagine, like, Mm -hmm. um, on a greater scale. And I think, yeah, we only, we can only, it can only be contained Mm -hmm. in eternity. So. Exactly. Yeah. Your camera just froze. I'm I know. You got some good thumbnails to use for the YouTube video. There you go. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, camera. All right. I know we don't have too much time, but I know we have a couple more questions. Uh, do we want right. to just go on to the next one? Sure. Let's get that next one up here. This so. is yours, Tina. All right. I was asking, does the Bible prohibit wearing face masks in public? (laughs) Okay. So biblical, obviously there's not a thou shalt or thou shalt not on this, you know, law, just like, you know, law of Moses we're talking about. But if you go to the book of Romans uh, chapter 13 and verses one and two, I think this gives us a good principle to go by. Um, Again, Romans chapter 13, verses one and two, and it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers or to, you know, the government. For there is no power but of God and the powers that are ordained of God. So basically, you know, God, you know, allows this government to happen. And verse two, it says, whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive unto themselves damnation. Now, obviously, if the, if the law of the land goes against the law of God, we are to obey the law of God um, as Bible-believing Christians, you know, just like Daniel in chapter six, when the law of the Medo- Medes and the Persians was to, you know, pray only to the king for 30 days. David, you know, Daniel was like, uh, no, I'm going to keep praying to the true God of heaven. And that's what he did. And he faced the death penalty for it. And that was, you know, what he'd rather, he'd rather die than sin, which is break one of God's commandments. But when there's a law that does not call us to obey, you know, uh, excuse me, does not call us to disobey, God's law, then we need to, you know, as even if we don't agree with everything 100%, we still need to, you know, obey the law of the land. And wearing a face mask is not unbiblical in any way. Actually, there's some good principles to it, um, you know, to prevent, you know, the spreading of disease. I don't, I know um, in the law of Moses, there are, you know, laws of uh, quarantine. And so, you know, the Bible was very, you know, God was really smart in how, God, you know, showed us how to prevent disease. You know, we shouldn't, um, that's why the lepers were put in their own colony, you know, to, to be quarantined. You know, we shouldn't be, um, if there is, you know, a, a pandemic going on, we should be, you know, careful not to spread this disease around. Um, and some people will argue about, you know, how effective a face mask is, whether or not that's, you know, hundred percent true. But I mean, I remember before, you know, this pandemic happened, you know, my doctor, when she was sick, she would wear a face mask to prevent you know, her patients from getting sick from her. And so I think, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing unbiblical about it. Um, you know, and if a place is requiring it from you, I don't think that's a hill you need to die on. <laughs> Just wear a face mask, um, you know, and uh, that's my personal opinion, you know, just again, obeying <laughs> the law of the land and also just being a courtesy to other people. Um, I think, you know, there's, some 
you know, truth in that, you know, even if you don't, maybe you don't totally agree with wearing a mask for whatever reason, you know, if other people feel more comfortable with you wearing one, I think it's just courtesy. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Jay or Wendy, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I mean, if you have a medical reason and you can't wear a mask, I think there's oh, stuff yeah. usually in place where you could get a doctor's note. I mean, that's a place where maybe it makes sense, right? So I, I, I agree what you said there, Tina, about we have bigger heels to die on. Yeah. Like we have some serious, serious issues that threat threaten God's people on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we really look behind the scenes, like is, is Satan trying to make Christianity look really stupid? Is Satan really trying to pin us around by making us take positions that, again, are going to compromise us and, and have us have problems on things that really, 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 really do matter? And and I know it's tough, right? Because we also need to stand and draw the line at times when when the government goes too far. And yeah, we should be voting. We should be um, speaking. You know, but but yeah, when it comes to actual breaking the law, that is a, a different mm -hmm. realm altogether. And I think it's important to note, too, that like, yeah, there are people who like have medical issues with wearing a mask. And, you know, I think we have to be mindful of what kind of mask we wear and how often we clean it and, you know, or how long we wear it before we clean it. Like, you know, because we're our breath does cast off a lot of impurities and we are we should be mm -hmm. breathing clean air. And, mm -hmm. you know, so there are there are a lot of considerations that go into it. But mm -hmm. to, you know, to 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 take this stance that like, I you know, I should never wear a mask because it's not in the Bible telling me to wear a mask. Like, you know, that's that doesn't really make sense either. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I just. I know I, I just thought of this instance when, because um, during the pan, you know, the whole COVID pandemic, I was pregnant <laughs> and I remember, you know, being really worried about catching something, even if it wasn't COVID, I was just didn't want to get sick. And um, I was actually wearing a mask before, <laughs> all the time before the, the pandemic hit. And everyone's like, are you sick? I'm like, no, I'm pregnant. I don't want to get sick. And so, um, but I remember one time being at Walmart and this guy coughed right next to me, like, just like, he didn't even care. But I was like, oh. and then, but then I saw he had a mask on and I was like, thank you, God. He was wearing a mask because I was like, that didn't sound like a healthy exactly. cough at all. <laughs> so I, mean, I was just glad it was contained. So yeah. I mean, there's, you know. <laughs> even pre-COVID, we did not like flying on airplanes because like every yeah. other time you catch some virus, yeah, yeah the person behind yeah. is coughing yeah. on you. So. And yeah, <laughs> that's a great phrase again. I, know, I was also gonna right? add too, like, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, like recently we went, we were in an area that had a lot of people. We were passing through an area that like people were packed in pretty close, right? And we were wearing masks, everyone else was wearing masks. And I noticed something about this experience that often, times when I'm in, you know, in the past, when I've been in these crowded spaces, there's all these funky smells from people's like breath that, you know, is coming out into the space. And because you're walking so close to people, you smell it. And sometimes you smell like sickness or decay 
coming from people's breasts because of oral health issues or infections or whatever. And it was so nice actually to walk through that space without any of those kinds of smells. And I was like, you know, that's really interesting that uh, everyone having a mask on actually prevented the, you know, that sort of putrefaction sitting in the air and like, it's it, it, a mask may not stop everything yeah. but yeah. but even the idea of stuffing a lot of people in a small space without good airflow that's just a bad idea yeah yeah, yeah. agreed agreed all right i think we have time for one last question we yeah. want to and maybe to before it? we go maybe we should do some shout outs to the people who joined us oh, today yeah yes so we got olivia welcome back olivia thank Hi, you for olivia. joining us we got fatty God bless Thank you, you for us. And then we got uh, Diana. Yes. Thank you so much for the feedback and joining us today. Yes. We Thank hope you. Diana. You are doing well. Yes. God bless you. All right. And now our lightning round, our last and final question, question number five. So Brenda asked, do you use the King James Bible? That's funny. I was just thinking about that today. <laughs> So Brenda, do you want me to answer first or? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the quick answer is yes, I do. Um, I don't think you have to only use the King James Bible, uh, but personally on our show, we use a new King James, all the verses that we pull up are new King James. But personally, I like the King James Bible. It's the Bible I use since I was a kid and I'm just very used to the old English and it makes perfect sense to me. I don't have any problems understanding everything. Um, but that's also because when I first started reading it, when I was 13 and studying it every day, I had a dictionary, a old <laughs> dictionary to help me understand everything. And, um, I use blue letter Bible, um, which is a wonderful website. Uh, if you ever want to check that out and just to look at the old Hebrew and just get a lot of the meaning and just to help understand it better. So yes, I do use the King James version. Oh, my camera did the same thing again. And I would say Blue Letter Bible has an app that you can have on your phone too. And I use oh. that pretty much. That is my Bible, the Blue Letter Bible app. Awesome. And yeah. It, I love and they have it so you can have like two Bibles side by side. So yeah, I yeah. usually have like a King James and then maybe like an NIV and, and mm -hmm. you can see both. Yeah, I really like having multiple translations to look at because it oh, is yeah. interesting how different many of them are. And, yeah. you know, at a high level, the Bible is the Bible, right? It's, it's the, at a high level, the message is the same. But when you get into those specific translations, it's profound how different some can be and what the meaning is that you yeah. can derive from that. And, and yeah, it's, and there's like pros and cons with all of them. Mm -hmm. That's I mean, very true. I mean, so, so like Olivia says, uh, the KJV is the most reliable translation. I would I would word it that the King James version is based on the probably the most reliable text. Mm -hmm. So it's based on like the the manuscripts is based on I personally believe are the most reliable. Um, but when it comes to actual translations, I mean there could be problems like where what the King James version might translate as hell, the NIV I believe translates correctly to be the grave or yeah. death. You know, mm -hmm. so you have these different, different situations where 
you, you trade off it's updates you know nav does it right sometimes kgv does it right and you really the best translation the best version is the original manuscripts and we have to be smarter and that's what tina was saying use the blue letter bible app so you can actually go and look at what is that hebrew word or that greek word used what is the meaning of it and and you can learn for yourself because there's some words you just cannot translate right yeah and you know i was thinking about this morning when i was thinking about you know me using the king james bible because this has been something that's come up before is you know in english we have like hundreds of translations but in other languages you don't have that problem <laughs> and so it was just kind of an interesting thought it's just like because everything's based on language and um you know i just think you know when it comes to the bible it's you know obviously god when we get to heaven i think we're going to speak a whole new language that you know god mm -hmm. gives us and um it's just the you know the idea or the message that god is trying to send you and so you know if you're reading it and you're like this goat is in harmony with you know god's character i think that's where what's best introducing you to god and you a message that, you know god that's the best version that you want to you want to losing you sorry about that. that laptop <laughs> is dying <laughs> i think so uh, please donate everybody please donate to bible ass support them so they could get a new laptop <laughs> i have a laptop i just, it's just yeah, we just got a new provider, so I think that might also really be what's going on, not the laptop. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Jerwin, do you want to close us off with a word of prayer? Let's do it. Lord, again, we thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for each and every person who joined us here. And thank you for those who submitted the questions. Thank you for... Uh, sending your son to to walk with us on this planet to become one of us to die for us and then to become now our high priest and thank you lord for just being a god of love and and just preparing and and, and getting ready to provide us with just such incredible experiences for eternity to come we can't wait lord for you to uh, sweep us off our feet and take us with you when you return and, and Lord, just come quickly. This I pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great to have you all with us. And yeah. we hope and that you have a... Thank you so much, everyone. Wonderful week. Training us. Thank you, Fatty, Diana, We just want to remind Olivia. everybody... Uh... We'll be back next week, probably, yes. she wanted to say. And, and, and Bible asked... Uh, dot org website go you can submit questions there or but yeah and if you want to be on the show bibleass.org slash live um we'll love to have your questions or just even discussion ideas and uh, we will be back next week at the same time at six o'clock p.m pacific time so wish you a wonderful weekend and get rested and we'll see you next time bye, bye.